everybody doing? Oh, great, I heard great. We'll take that one right there. It's a pleasure for me to be here once again. <clears throat> I would imagine that most of you know, but I, I'm usually in the Spanish service. Uh, we have a smaller group in the upstairs, uh, in the other building, and um, I'm usually preaching there. So it's, it's, a, it's an honor, it's a privilege always to come over here and uh, share God's word with you. What I want to do is, as you know, we've been going through the book of James for the last maybe couple of months, and um, I believe Bruce is a little bit ahead of, of us, so I'm actually going to go back and to chapter 1, and if you would open your Bibles to James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, that's where we get the uh, title for this morning's message. So the title of this morning's message is The Wrath of Man. Sounds pretty, um, I don't know, the wrath of, but it's straight out of the Bible. And certainly it includes the wrath of man and woman, obviously, right? People, humanity, human beings. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. So we are going to talk about anger this morning. And I'm kind of excited about it because I got a chance to uh, share this message with our Spanish group. and We got a really good uh, reception uh, because I think anger, wrath, is something that affects all of us. What, can I? 99.9% of us? Yeah? Any angry people in the house? You don't have to admit it. Any people that easily get angry? Not you, but maybe people that you know get angry really, really easily. And guess what? Not all anger is sinful. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, you might think it's, you know, it's righteous anger, Mike, what I have you know, it's, it's the kind that God has, that righteous anger. Probably not, but maybe, maybe. Uh, but what I'm talking about is this anger that does not lead to God's righteousness, which is what it says here in James chapter 1. So we're going to read that, and we're going to talk about uh, the wrath of man, or people's anger. And what I'm hoping is, as, as I always hope, that when... I, I get a chance to share God's word is that uh, that you will be really, really ready and willing to receive God's word, not because it's me, but besides the fact or despite the fact that it's me, that you would be open to hearing God's word. And to me, that's exciting to know that you would go to a place, a church like this, and that you would hear from God. And if you come to church like this on a Sunday morning and then you leave and you feel just as empty or the same as you came in. I, can I say there's something wrong either with the, the church or with you? And I would venture to say that if it's God's word being preached, there's something wrong with you. You need to come out of here you're feeling convicted, feeling blessed, feeling encouraged, knowing that you've heard from God. Because it's God's word that we're here to share and express. So, you know, when we talk about something like anger that affects all of us, we're going to have the tendency or... We're going to be tempted to say, yeah, you know what? I really wish my neighbor would have been here because this message was like just 
for my cousin. You know what? I'm going to get a copy of this and send it to my cousin. He lives like states away, but it's for him. I know it's for him. I think Mike was thinking about him when he... And, and I'm not thinking about anybody in particular. What, what we're doing is we're going through the book of James and we're uh, trying to bring out the message, uh, God's message through the book of James. I know Bruce is going a little bit faster than I am, which is fine. But uh, I've decided to go a little bit slower and really draw out some of these teachings that are here. And James is a very practical book. And I don't know about you, but again, anger is something that all of us deal with in a personal level. Or it's, we have to deal with people that are angry or have outbursts of wrath around us. And it's, it's very important. It's very, I know some of you guys are feeling a little uncomfortable and kind of sitting in the, the pew there a little bit. But hopefully, through God's word and his message, we will be better off for having been here this morning. You know, our mission statement reads that Crosspoint is here to glorify God by lovingly pointing people to the cross of Jesus for salvation and for growth. And so if you know you're saved, then you need to be on the path of growing. And it's through messages like this that uh, we're going to get there. Let me tell you the main point of my message this morning, and then we'll do the reading, and we'll get to the points that we're going to mention. So the main point, the title is The Wrath of Man. The main point is this. The anger of a Christian individual should be known as something of his or her past, not present. The anger of a Christian individual or the angry character and actions of a Christian individual should be known as something of their past, not their present. When people look at us or say something about us, we're in trouble if they say, you know what, yeah, he, real good guy, but oh boy, does he get angry real fast. Yeah, I've known him forever. You know, he's just like that. He always gets angry, really angry, and then he blows up, and then, then he apologizes, but he gets really angry. We need to be people that others will say about us, you know what, this person, if you would have known him five years ago, you would not recognize him. He used to be such an angry individual. You couldn't say anything around him, he would get angry, blow up, like a time bomb, scary. But not anymore. Not anymore. Since he started going to Crosspoint Christian Church. Ah, that's a free, that's a, uh... since God got a hold of him, people should say of us, you know what? You're not the same person. You used to be this angry individual. Couldn't tell you anything. You would blow up and get angry at your kids or angry at your parents, but not anymore. And then you know what it is? What that, you know what that is? Praise God. That's how we glorify God. That's how we testify of his power. We're no longer who we used to be. We're not who we need to be and God wants us to be, and he's taking care of that. But at the very least, we should be able to say, it's, it's no longer me. That's not who I am anymore. It's a thing of the past. And that should be said of every person that claims to be a Christian. Perfectly? No. Still gets angry every once in a while? Sure. But not the way it used to be. All right. That's what we're going to be talking about. The anger of a Christian individual should be known as something of his or her past, not present. And um, what I want to... Okay, so let's read. And then we're going to do a, a, a small explanation of these two verses, put everything in context, and then we're going to kind of shoot off of that and, and talk about uh, anger. And we're going to talk maybe four points. I was looking at my clock before I came up here. I'm going to have my clock, my watch, my phone. And, and four things, So you can, if you write them down. We're going to talk about, in reference to anger, the fact that it's common to people, the fact that it's contrary to the righteousness of God, 
that is conducive to sin, and we're going to talk about the consequences of anger. They all start with the C, because you want to remember later. You get uh, quizzed on it. James chapter 1. Verses 19 and 20 says this. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's James speaking to this group of dispersed Jewish believers, and he's telling them, hey, Three things here. Let every man be swift to hear. Swift to hear what? God's word. God's word. And and we'll look at the context there. And slow to speak. Why would he say that? Let's, Let's talk a little bit about that really quick. And then slow to wrath. If you look at uh, the verses just before that. Verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by what? By the word of truth. It's talking about God's word. By the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And then if you jump 19 and 20, I'm just putting things in context. Verse 21 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive what? With meekness, the implanted word. So here we're talking about God's word. And James is saying, hey, when it comes to God's word, be ready to hear it. Swift to hear it. And then be slow to speak it and slow to anger. So what's it saying there? Let's take a couple minutes to talk about that. Let's talk about um, being swift to hear God's word. I hope that's why everybody's here this morning. That you would have woken up this morning or since last night been getting ready and said, you know, tomorrow I'm going to go to church to hear God's word. And I'm here this morning to hear God's word. Yeah, to say hi to the family. Yes, to do this and do that. Maybe to minister and, and, and uh, be part of something else. But I'm primarily here and I'm ready to hear God's word. I'll share one of my favorite verses, John 5, 24. If you don't know that one, I would highly recommend it. Jesus speaking to the Father says, Verily, verily, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has already passed from death unto life. He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. You and I should be ready all the time, ready to hear God's word. Now, I want to encourage you to do that as you're sitting here this morning. Forget everything else. Here, be ready to hear God's word. And this morning, God's word is going to talk to you about anger, your anger. All right? He's going to talk about your anger. He's going to talk to me about my anger and everybody else about their anger. So don't think about, don't think about everybody else's anger. Think about you and your relationship with God and what he expects from you. Uh, so be ready or swift to hear God's word. And I want to encourage you also. You know what? Um, I, I couldn't help but um, kind of be in awe of our, our band here. Uh, they sound great, and I'm looking at the lyrics, and they're, they're awesome. They're very encouraging, and I'm thinking, I hope you realize that I mean, I'm blessed by hearing God's word and God's message through song, and then to be able to sing that is, is even better, and I praise God for that. But also, 
Being swift to hear God's word also requires you to be careful not to bombard yourself with other things that aren't God's word. And I'm going to go through this quickly, but um, I shared with the Spanish group that I was probably in my early 20s when I, I really just kind of stopped listening to secular music for the most part. You know, I'm not here to talk about secular music, but just to tell me as a testimony, when I stopped listening to secular music, just regular music, and I really just kind of started finding out about Mercy Me and Third Day, some of those bands that kind of got started a while back, uh, this contemporary Christian music, I can tell you that my life changed. Going from listening to just worldly music and starting to and just kind of exclusively listen to Christian music, I saw a big change in my life. And then from doing that and, and finding these awesome radio stations like KKLA 99.5 or K-Wave 107.9, where they have these great preachers and teachers and hearing God's word all the time is awesome. It's amazing because now if you're willing to hear God's word, there's really no excuse why you can't hear it literally 24-7. Any time of the day, you can be hearing God's word. But you have to be careful that you make time for that. James is telling them, be swift to hear God's word. Be ready to hear God's word. There's so many things that, that, that fight for your attention. And there's so many, quote-unquote, great and good artists out there that are very famous and popular, especially with our young people, that, that sing of things that are contrary to God's will, God's righteousness. you got to be careful with that. It can't really be, you know, I like Christian music, but I really like this other stuff. That, that, that speaks about everything that's against God's righteousness. you got to be careful with that. So kind of keep that in mind. Swift to hear God's word. So what do you do in your life to kind of make sure that you are ready to hear God's word? And maybe where and what aspect of your life do you need to kind of change things up so that you stop hearing things that you know are not good for you and maybe start being ready to hear God's word? And again, there are so many avenues available to you to be ready to get, hear God's word. Uh, slow to speak. Uh, real quick, because I'm going to run out of time. I'm already, I'm already feeling the clock pressing against me. Where is it? Oh, there it is. My nemesis. All right. Ex- <laughs> slow to speak. It might be a little weird because it says, hey, be ready to hear God's word, but then it says be slow to speak. I think this is speaking about, well, I mean, James explains that. That's a cool thing about the Bible, right? I don't have to guess or wonder. But in chapter 3, it talks about, hey, be careful, all of you. Don't be so ready to be, want to become teachers. Like, what do you mean? We're supposed to go and make disciples. So you learn one thing, and then you go out there and try to fix the world. James says, be careful now. Grow in the word. Listen to it more than you want to speak it, perhaps. It's always awesome. I remember our pastor, Delgado, used to always tell us, why do you think God gave you two ears and one mouth? So we wouldn't eat so much? I don't know. No, so you could hear twice as much as you speak because we all have the tendency, and James understood that, we all have the tendency of learning something and then wanting to beat somebody over the head with it. Right? Some of you guys are going to get home and be like, you know what Pastor Mike spoke about? Anger. Should have been there. It would have been good for you that you know that anger doesn't do the work of Christ. And bam, you want to hit him already. Like, no, that was for you. Listen and shh, James says. Don't be so ready to, to speak it. And then right after that, James tells us too, be more of a doer than a speaker. Hear God's word, yeah, but then be a doer of it. And then God's going to mold you and change you, and then you'll be ready to speak it to other people. 
Because you know what Lord said. You know, you go around trying to fix everybody. Hey, brother, you got a little speck in your eye. And you have a, what does he say? I have it written down here. A plank in your eye. We all have that tendency. We have to be careful. Even with God's word. Be ready to listen and be a doer of it. Let God mold you, and then you'll be ready to speak it. There are too many of us trying to fix people, and we ourselves need fixing. Jesus said that, right? Now, does that mean we never bring anything to anybody's attention? No, that's not what it means. But once you're a hearer of the word and a doer, God will will humble you, and then you'll be ready to speak to other people about issues. We don't want to be like the guy that said, man, I hate my sin. I mean, I just hate it when I see it in other people. Mm. What? what? Yeah. When I see my sin in other people, I hate that sin. But when I see it in me, it's somehow not that bad. We don't want to be those people. We want to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and then slow to wrath. And this is where we're going to branch off to the uh, chunk of our study. Slow to wrath. It's not wrong to be angry. You know, even Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin. So there is a possibility to be angry at certain things with the right kind of anger. But it says, do not sin. And then another party says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Meaning, even if it's righteous anger, you want to be careful with that and deal with it. Because if you let it go, it becomes resentment. It becomes bitterness. And other stuff that you don't want in you. Obviously, anger is is an emotion that God gave us, and anger can be used in a very good way, and there are things that we should be angry about, but not in the sense that, hey, I'm angry at everybody, but I'm okay with me. It's more like, hey, be angry at your sin and deal with it, and then you're going to be able to deal with other people. So slow to wrath. Um, So I was kind of going to get started with with this in our introduction. I was going to ask, is anyone here an angry person? I did ask that, didn't I? Or is anyone who here who is easily angered? And I think it's a cool topic because I know all of you are already getting all these thoughts in your head like, yeah. How many of us believe? Now, here's my question before we get to the chunk of our study here to our main part. How many of us believe? So I'm assuming that most of us struggle with anger, right? And by that I mean, man. And here's the sad part. Most of us that get angry... I would venture to say, probably get most angry at the people that are closest to us that we love the most. And that's a shame. I can tell you personally. All right? Don't get scared. But most of you that know me probably have never seen me angry. Maybe I'm wrong in that. But I'm just not an angry person, or at least I don't have these outbursts of wrath. It's been a while. But ask my kids. Ask my wife. Ask her when she brings something up to me that I don't really like her bringing up to me. Right? Most of us probably get angry, let me put it bluntly, when people attack or address our sin. It's kind of like, what about you? What about you? Are you the kind of person that people have to walk around like on eggshells, kind of like, or, or do people say about you, just leave him. You know how he is. Don't even bring that up. You know how she gets. 
Why do you even have to go? Don't, don't, just, just leave it alone. Or are you the kind of person that says, you don't understand, Mike. My family's an angry family. My mama was angry. Her mama was angry. Her daddy was angry. We got like five generations of angry people. It's not my fault. You've heard that one, right? Oh, you use that one? <laughs> and look, obviously some of us are more prone to certain characteristics. But anger is a human thing. Anger is a human thing. And again, it could be good, but most of us misuse that emotion. All right? So, but so here's my question. I think after having established that most of us have to deal with this or deal with this, um, here's my, my important questions. How many of us believe in the power of the name of Jesus? How many of us believe in the power of Jesus that he can transform you? Even if you're sitting there thinking like, I've dealt with this for 70 years, Mike, you don't understand. Maybe I don't understand, but I do understand, and I choose to believe in the power of the blood of Christ, who can take your heart and change it in a supernatural way. Do you believe that? And my other question is, how many of us are willing to change for the glory of God? For the glory of God. You see, here's the thing. All of us can control our anger. All of us can control our anger. No, no, Mike, in certain situations, I just can't. You probably can. Like the woman who's having a fight with her husband, and they're in a heated argument, and then the phone rings. They're yelling at each other, the phone rings, and it's like, hello? What happened, what happened to the anger and the rage? Or the child picks up the phone, it's like, hey, it's my dad's boss. I want to talk to you, mom. Does the tone change? Or does she start, keep yelling at the husband's boss? Tone changes. Get angry, you're yelling at your kids, and then you realize, whoa, Caesar's home. You guys don't know what I'm talking about. That's, that's fine. Some of us do. You, re- <laughs> you start lashing out at your kids, and then you realize there's somebody in the other room. I forgot he was here. Oh, he heard me yell at my kids. Good. Let it out. You don't have to hide it. We know you're angry. Do something about it. But we change. We're able to change our, our anger. We're able to control our anger if we really want to. So all of us have experienced that. Um, and, all, and listen, all of us express our anger different ways too, by the way. Some of us just kind of lash out, and then some of us just kind of close in and become this bitter resentful individual just as angry on the inside but maybe you don't lash out and somehow you think that's better it's not god sees your heart god sees your heart so whether you get angry you lash out you yell at people or whether you get angry you just ignore people for years same thing it's just as sinful and we need to deal with it and i'm here to tell you the reason why i'm excited is there's power in the blood you have to believe that You have to believe that the worst part about you is the best thing that God can take for his testimony of his love and power. So for the most angry person here, if you're willing to lay it at the cross, God will take that anger and he will glorify himself through it and then he could even use you to help other people that are not as angry as you. That's how he works. That's how he works. If you let him, if you're willing 
to humble yourself before him. So let's talk about this. Let's see here. Let's go to our first point before we run out of time. We don't have to do a two. No, here we go. Whoa. We'll blame the band. That was awesome. That was everybody. Let's talk about our first point. About it's common to people. I kind of mentioned that already. But it's common to people. So anger is, is something that all of us have. But we're also told to control it. And I love that because if God gives you a commandment, that means He holds you responsible. And if He holds you responsible, that means in you there is a capability and ability to control it. He doesn't just tell you, love one another, and then you're incapable of doing it. If He tells you to love one another, it's because you're able to do it if you choose to. God is much more of a choice than it is an emotion. So when He says, do not get angry... Or he tells you that the wrath of God, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of, of man. He's telling you because you're able to control it. And you are able to control it. But for some of us, being angry has become a habit. Did you guys hear that one? I didn't hear any amens. Because no, we don't need one. But we have to really reflect on that. For some of us, being angry has become a habit. And somehow you've rationalized it. And you've normalized it in your life to say, that's just the way I am. Well, that's not the way God wants you. And chances are we're going to talk about this. We are. Promise we're going to get to that. You're going to see some of the consequences of our anger and our sin. So let's, let's move on. We're going to go really quick here. It's common to people to understand if you're an angry person, so is everybody else. All right, maybe you get angry about certain things and other people get angry about other stuff. But most of, most of us get angry about things. It's a common thing. It's something that God gave us, the ability to become angry. But he expects us to control that. Um, and that's why James would, would, would tell the readers, even believers, hey, to be slow to wrath. He doesn't even say don't get angry. He says don't get angry, don't get angry so fast. There are things for which we need to get angry about. It is, second point is, contrary to the righteousness of God. And it says that right here. It says, for the wrath of man, in verse 20, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of of God. When you're angry, chances are how that is expressed is not the way God would want you to be expressing yourself as a Christian. When you're angry, people do some very silly stuff. You've seen it, and you've probably been part of that. People lose it, and they just do the craziest things. That does not produce the righteousness of God. And that's one of the reasons why you want to be careful. You've probably said the meanest things you've ever said when you were angry. You've said the most hurtful things to people that you love when you are angry. And you've made some very poor choices when you are angry. So it's contrary to the righteousness of God. And it's conducive to sin. That's our third point. Those are fast points, right? It's conducive to sin. It's going to lead you to sin. The type of unrighteous anger will always lead you to sin. To say something that is offensive. To do something that is wrong. And we have to be careful with that because sin is a, uh, you know, we're grateful that that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but we still battle with that. Um, A couple of things about sin. The penalty for our sin is always more than what you're willing to pay. You know, sometimes we think like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do this and God's probably going to punish me. You have no idea. 
how God punishes sin if you're thinking like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sin. I know God doesn't want me to. He's probably going to punish me, but, but I'm, I'm willing to take it. No, you're not. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of the payment of sin is what? Death, beloved. Not a spanking. Death. If you find yourself thinking like, should I do it or should I not do it? Am I going to like the way God's going to discipline me or not? Don't do it. Because the penalty of your sin is always more than what you're willing to pay. And then when it comes to sin, somebody said that sin will always keep you longer than you want to stay. It will always take you farther than you want to go. And it will always make you pay more than what you're willing to pay. You should never play with sin. Never play with sin. And getting angry in an unrighteous manner will always lead you to sin, to sinful behavior attitudes. I really want to get to this part, fourth point, which is the consequences of sin. And I have two illustrations, and I'm just going to mention them. Two illustrations about people in the Bible that got sin, that, that got angry and lashed out in different ways for different reasons, and there was a tragedy or a real bad outcome. And I'll just mention them to you. In Genesis chapter 4, we have the story of Cain, Abel's brother. So, way from the beginning, at the beginning, before there were any, you know, major cultural negative influences, and certainly no internet and bad music videos and what have you, here you have two brothers who bring an offering to God. And Abel brings an animal and sacrifices that animal to God. And God is pleased and says, good job, Abel. And then Cain comes around. He was a farmer, if you would. And then he offers the best that the ground had yielded. He offers that to God, and God is displeased by that offering. And you know what happens to Cain? What happens to Cain? He became angry. Angry at who? Angry at God. Let me just read that. So, verse, chapter 4 of Genesis, verse 5. But he, God, did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? So God's saying, like, you don't have the right to be angry. You shouldn't be angry. But why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will it not be accepted? He says, I'm going to give you a chance. Just do the thing right, and I'll accept it. No big deal. And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. See that? Sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and what? Killed his brother. Killed his brother, his own brother. I don't know how many brothers he had by then. Killed his brother. You know how many times you hear in the news? Kids killing their parents. Parents killing their kids. Every week. I'm sure it happens every day. Anger. The anger that does not produce the righteousness of God. So here's Cain. Offers a sacrifice. And then God says, no, that, nope. Rejected. And Cain gets able with God. Cain gets angry with God and lashes out against his brother. 
And Abel dies. Fast forward to Moses. Fast forward to Moses in Numbers chapter, Numbers chapter 20. And here we have something a little bit different. Moses gets angry at the people, and then he lashes out against God. I'll just read it. So we're saying, it's common to people, contrary to the righteousness of God, conducive to sin, and always has negative consequences. What does? Your anger does. Really quick, chapter 20, verse uh, 1. Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water there for them to drink, for the whole congregation. So they gathered together against Moses and against Aaron, and the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died in our bre- when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought us up this assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place, is it not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates? Nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces. So far, so good. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock. And give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from, the, from before the Lord as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. What is he? Angry, a little angry. Look here, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. It almost kind of seems like it's not that big of a deal, but then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me, to hollow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. So Moses gets angry at the people because they're, they're bickering, they're complaining. Why didn't you bring us out here? We're going to die. We should have died over there. And Moses gets angry, goes before the Lord, and then God tells him, go speak to the, get the congregation, take your rod, speak to the rock, and the rock, rock's going to give you water. Rock symbolizing the Lord Jesus Christ. And he speaks to the, speaks, I guess he gathers the people, and then he's angry and tells them, what does he tell them? Here it is. Well, he gets angry at the people, right? Starts kind of yelling at people and says, you wicked generation. He didn't say that here, but he would say that often. He's angry at them, and then he lashes out and hits the rock, strikes the rock twice when God said, speak to the rock. And God becomes displeased at Moses and says, okay, you didn't hollow me. You didn't, you didn't uh, respect me in front of the people. Now you're not going to enter into the promised land. And you know the story. Moses was able to see the promised land, but not allowed to enter because of this. Because he lashed out when he was angry at the people. He lashed out at God. When Cain was angry at God, he lashed out against his brother. And beloved, when we're angry, we lash out against somebody. Might be the dog. You know, the whole story goes, 
The husband gets home from work and lashes out against the wife because he got mistreated at work. And then she lashes out at the kids and the kids go outside the backyard and kick the dog or the cat. And so it goes. Your anger has repercussions. But I think the most thing, the, the most important thing they need to be aware of is the fact that your anger is not God's anger. And your anger does not produce the righteousness of God. And the question is, do you believe that God can change you? And if you do profess to believe that God can change you, then do something about it. Do something about it. And I have a, I'm going to wrap it up just by sharing a couple of uh, practical tips. Practical tips. But I think the most, the most important one is to get home and get on your knees. And humble yourselves before God. Repent and confess that sin and realize that it is a problem. And confess and, and ask him to help you and take that away for his honor and his glory. And then you're going to see that when that happens, people around you are going to be blessed. And people are going to be amazed that God is not dead. That God is real and he's powerful to change you. So principles to help you control your anger. Really quick, I'm just going to mention them. Study the scriptures and develop a plan. Read the word. Psalms 119, your word is a lamp unto my path and light unto my, I think I said it backwards, to my path as well. Study the scriptures and develop a plan. Repent and pray. And check this one out. This is where most of us get stuck. Discuss the problem with other Christians. Go to somebody and say, you know what, Mike? Uh, I have a problem with anger. And I get most angry here. And I know that's a problem because... Because then my people tell me, I thought you were a Christian. Because they know you for your anger. Avoid hot-tempered people. If all you do is hang around people like you, it's going to be a problem. Think before you speak and act. Pretty common sense, yeah? And work to solve the problems that anger you. So if there are certain things that you know anger you, well, do something about it other than lashing out in anger. And then apologize to those who you've hurt. That's going to go a long way. Apologize to those whom you've hurt. Beloved, I hope I didn't scare anybody. James says, be swift to hear God's word. Be slow to speak and be slow to anger. Because when we get angry, it does not produce the righteousness of God. Anger is common to everybody. Let me see my points here in order. And it's good for you to realize that. You're not the only one. It's common. It's contrary to the righteousness of God. That's why you should deal with it. It is conducive to sin, and the consequences are always worse than what you can think. All right? I hope that you're blessed by God's word, by God's message. Um, And if you need somebody to speak to, we have our prayer room. I'm not sure who's manning that one today. But we have a prayer room, and then there's a lot of people here that you can uh, talk to. Tonight we'll be here five for the barbecue. You could uh, make some, uh, meet some people, make some friends, and then just you know chat, chat with people and see what see what's going on. And we're in it together. Uh, everybody should be uh, at, at least know that's something that we all struggle with. All right, and we can pray for one another. May God bless His Word. Gracious Father, thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to share Your Word. I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here. And Father, as we, as we meditate and look at this issue of anger, first we want to ask for forgiveness.
for we're all guilty of it. And, and we want to be convicted of that sin, Father, to realize that it's, it's way worse than what we think, that we may not normalize it or excuse it in our lives, but that we will be willing to trust in your power, your power to change us, all for your honor and your glory. And I thank you and ask you this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. God bless you.